Turn into your Bibles to uh, Hebrews. And we're going to be in uh, Hebrews chapter 7, maybe uh, a little bit in 8. We have, we've been in Hebrews for a while. We started it a while back, and then we've had some special occasions that have popped up. So we've, we've covered some other things in between. So we're going to be back in Hebrews trying to carry on. Now, Hebrews is a very special book. Where it's located in the Bible, it's a new beginning or another set of Scripture that starts with Hebrews and runs through Revelation. They're grouped up together for a reason, just like Romans through 1st and 2nd Thessalonians are grouped together for a reason. There's nine books that complete that section of Scripture, just like starting here in Hebrews, going through Revelation, same amount of books. And the number nine is significant in that it completes things. It's a number that represents judgment. Judgment is, can be bad, but it can be good. You know, if you are judged to be innocent when you were claimed to be guilty, that's a wonderful thing. But if you think you're innocent, then you've been judged guilty, that's a very bad thing. Hebrews is starting this section of Scripture that some Christians want to neglect because they say it's for the Hebrews, it's for the Jewish nation, but it's in our Bible, so it means that it's for us as well. But we do need to rightly divide the word of truth. We need to understand that God is not done with Israel. We have not replaced Israel, but this new covenant that we're under now is, is something that the nation of Israel, any individual, can believe on and be saved right now. But we also need to understand that, that God said in the future He will save His people Israel. We need to make that uh, distinction. And Hebrews, it's a book about Jesus being better. Better, better, better. And uh, I wrote down all the times it says better. And in the, in, in the first chapter... Verse 4 says that Jesus is better than the angels. And then you have to go all the way to chapter 6 to see where the second better is, and it says better things. It's talking about better things. And, and, and we, you know, we were just in 6. So it, it's, it says we are, I am, we are persuaded of better things for you. I also think it's really inter interesting... You know, how many chapters is in Hebrews? Anybody know, real quick? How many chapters total is in Hebrews? Anybody? You know, you would think 12 would be the perfect number for a, a Hebrews, because 12 is the perfect governmental number. You would think, I, that's what would be my guess. I would say 12, 13 chapters. Isn't that interesting? 13. The, 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 I think it's a picture, it's, it's a, it's a, the number 13 is uh, 
this was the old way and you were under the old way, but you need to be delivered from that. You need to actually rebel against the old way. How many states were there in this country when we broke away from the old rule of Great Britain? 13 states. Interesting. 13. Is that a lucky number? People don't like the, they, don't, they hate 13, right? And they run from it. But in some situations, it's good. Because you do need to have a rebellious spirit in uh, breaking away from old things. You need to be able to, to be free from that and to enter into the free grace that is offered through Jesus Christ. So I think it's very significant that there's, that there's 13 chapters in Hebrews. I think that's very significant. Also, so we're, we're, we're at chapter 7, and you know that 7 is a very interesting number when it comes to spiritual things. Uh, 7, over and over again in Scripture, has very significant meaning. And when we happen to get to 7 in Hebrews, uh, that's where the third better is, and um, it's talking about Melchizedek. So, who is this Melchizedek? Let's, let's read, and, I'll, and I'll, I might finish up all... It, well, why I ask how many chapters, and in, in talk, talk about the number 13, how many times is the word better in Hebrews? 13. Wow. 13 times. Now, it says better things twice, but don't let that fool you, because persuaded of better things, that's out of chapter 6, better things of you. What's the number 6 represent? Mankind. If you notice in 6, it was talking about you leaving the faith, you uh, having uh, things that accompany your salvation, and talking about you having work and labor of love. So that's, that number six is for man. And chapter six in Hebrews is all about man. Chapter one, that's unity. What's it, what's it talking about when you open up the... It says God. One true God. That's how it starts. And it talks about Jesus being the Son, and the Father, and, the G, and Jesus are one. That's unity. And it happens to be chapter 1. And then you get into chapter 2. What does, what does the number 2, what, what does that represent? Division, difference. And if you believe on Jesus, you're going to be divided from those who don't. Then you get into chapter 3, and it's the, it's start, you're starting to see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It, three is a very significant number, completes all things. And then uh, four, resting, and I'm not going to get too much into that one, but that would be three plus one. That would be, um, you know, four is the worldly number. It's uh, not, not worldly as in bad, but just, just basic things of earth. 
Jesus came to earth to be with us. And then chapter 5, we get a mention of Melchizedek. So chapter uh, 5 is the number of divine appointment. And this is how it's going to happen. God had a plan, and this is how it's going to happen. And Melchizedek is mentioned. So now that we've uh, we already talked about 6, and now we're in 7, now we're going to find out who this Melchizedek is. Or are we? For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, which you could also mean uh, king of peace. Per, uh, so Salem ended up being called Jerusalem. Priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. Now that's where we get our, uh, you know, where, where, where we give. We, we, people uh, are told to give a tenth of all their increase. So we offer a time where people can, can honor God by giving back. And here it is right here that this is way before the law was put into place and Abraham has gone into battle. He's taken all the spoil. And Abraham didn't want to go into battle, but then he found out Lot was one of the people who were captured. And he said, what? All right, we're going. So he gathers up all his people. He goes out. He conquers those, those bad kings, and he rescues the people. And he gets all the spoil, all the goods he got. And then this Melchizedek is going to show up. Um... Uh, this is uh, verse 2 of chapter 7. Uh, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father, without mother, how is that possible? Without father, without mother, without descent, so no one came after him? There was, he didn't have a son to talk about. He didn't carry on. Having neither beginning of days nor end of life. This is some special dude. But made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils, and verily they that are of the sons of Levi who receive the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. It's talking about Levi and his commandment to take tithes of the people, and Levi is not even born. His dad isn't even born. Who's, who's Levi's father? Jacob? Jacob. We're talking about Abraham. Abraham has to have Isaac, and then Isaac is going to have Jacob. And then Jacob is going to have Levi amongst the other 11 brothers that go along with Levi. So, Levi, who's still in the loins of Abraham, is receiving... He, he's giving. Abraham and Levi, is, 
hidden way inside of him, they're paying tithes to Melchizedek. So the people who later will receive it is actually giving way before it's a law. All righty. Six. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. There's one of the betters right there. So we're in seven. The less is blessed of the better. And what's the better? Melchizedek. Now that's talking about Melchizedek. That's the third time that better is used in Scripture. In, in, not in Scripture, but in Hebrews right here. Eight. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth. Did you hear that? He liveth. Talking about Melchizedek. The priest died. Any, in, in the future, from what, from what he's talking about right here, any priest was a man who lived and died, and then he, he had sons and grandsons that carried it on, and then they ended up dying. But this Melchizedek, that he liveth, this sounds like somebody who is not of this world. You, are you picking up on that? And, as I may so say, Levi also who receiveth tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. I've already explained all that. For he was yet in the loins of his father when, actually, it's, we would say, uh, what would that be, great-great-grandfather, if I'm counting right, when Melchizedek met him. If, therefore, perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. This is who the Hebrews. This is uh, stepping on some toes big time right now. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. See, Jesus came from Judah, not from Levi. Of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. That's true. So it, what this is telling us is that Jesus, being the Most High, priest, he has a rightful place to be called that because of all of this right here. Because of Melchizedek, who came way before the tribe of Levi. And it is yet more evident for after that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling. 
of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. So, what is disannulling? Let's say uh, there would be a man and a woman who were betrothed to each other, and she was considered his wife just in name only because they're going through this a year-long uh, uh, betrothal period. But if the marriage is never consummated, then they could disannul the whole thing. And I won't go into detail what that means. But um, you're coming together as man and wife, and that consummates the marriage. And that makes it real. When we are born again, that thing happens between us and God. And notice how all of the idolatry, a lot of things we've talked about, the things through Scripture, is about fertility gods and weird, perverted sexual things. Because... God designed that whole thing between a man and a woman, and now we live in an age where that has become extremely filthy and dirty. And it's sad, and, and no wonder that the devil attacks true marriage and the picture of it. Because if Satan can, can make that a bad thing, which he's done a very good job at doing, then it breaks down what we have between us and our Heavenly Father, coming together spiritually and becoming one with Him. So this disannulling is talking about the law. It's been disannulled by what Jesus has done. For the law, this is verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better, here's another better, a better hope, but, bring, but the bringing in of a better hope did by the which we draw nigh unto God. That's how we get near to Him, by this better hope, which is Jesus. So that's the fourth time better is used in the, in the uh, book of Hebrews. And inasmuch as not without an oath, He was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made surety of a better testament. And there's better. Again, a better testament. It's the fifth time that it was used in Hebrews, and notice that it was uh, three times that it's in seven. Three, very significant number. In chapter seven, another very significant number, and talking about how you know, the fifth time would be a divine appointment, that's what God had planned all along for you to be able to be nigh to Him, near to Him, because of what He predetermined way before. And that divine appointment, don't miss that appointment. Please don't miss that appointment. 23, 
And they truly were, were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. They died. They were, they were humans. They died. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. So how do you get to God? By him, by Jesus. It is a straight gate. It is a narrow way. And uh, it seems to be a hard thing to find. You've got so many people who are lost. It's, it's, why is it so hard for them to find this narrow gate? We're supposed to be leading them there. We're supposed to be showing people where that gate is. Because broad is the way that leads to destruction. It's easy to go to destruction. Nobody needs guidance there. They're heading there all by themselves. They don't need anybody to show them the way. But we need to show people the way, the straight gate, the narrow way. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Where is Jesus right now? At the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. That's what keeps us in the faith. And he, see, he, when we get over a couple, just another chapter, after we get past eight and get into nine, we're going to see where Jesus has gone to the true holy of holies and has done with, done, done with taking his blood up to the true holy of holies, just like the high priest would go into the holy of holies on earth in the temple or the tabernacle before that. Jesus took his blood to the real holy of holies in heaven. And has sat down at the right hand of the Father, he doesn't need to do it ever again. And as long as Jesus is there, and we've been told right here in Hebrews that he liveth forever, and he is always going to be interceding for us, and as long as he's always going to be doing that, then we're always going to be saved and with our Father in heaven. Always. There's no way you can fall from it. No way you can not have it. As long as Jesus is there doing what he's doing right now. 26, for such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once when he offered up himself. See, I wasn't making all that stuff up. I was just telling you. It's right here. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. Now what, all right, so that's, that's verse 7. Talking about Jesus being the one who liveth, being made a priest, that's always going to be there. That's 7. And it, I, I could not have planned it out better that all of that would be in chapter 7. Now look at chapter 8. What does the number 8 mean in Scripture? Y'all should know that. I mean, not all, but there's many in here that should know the number 8, what it means. The eighth day would be the first day of the new week. It's a number of new beginnings. You want to guess how many covenants have been made? by God. This new covenant that we're talking about right now happens to be the eighth 
covenant. Yeah. And it's talked about right here in chapter 8. And guess what verse? 8. Y'all are, y'all are pretty smart. You catching on. Yeah, verse 8 it says, uh, I will make a new covenant. Now, for the nation of Israel, I think that this new covenant is still future for the nation of Israel, but has been very much available to us ever since Jesus died on the cross and conquered the grave. This eighth covenant is a new beginning for anybody who will believe on Him. Not believe in God and believe in Jesus as in they they are real, but that you believe on them. You believe in what Jesus did for you. It's a big difference than just believing that there's a Jesus. I don't know how many people say, well, I believe there's a God. You just believe there's a God. Well, of course. You look at creation, you know there's a God. Just believing that there's a God doesn't save you at all. Just believing that there was a Jesus who walked around on earth and did great things. And he he was treated poorly and they, they nailed him to a cross. Oh, that was terrible. I believe that that happened. That doesn't save you. Now, you're well on your way to being saved if you believe in that. But you must believe that you deserve to go to the cross and die for your sins. That you were the one that was a sinner and deserved death and hell forever. That's what you need to believe. And believe that Jesus stood in the way and He went to the cross instead of you to save you from hell. And when you start believing that, you can be saved for real. So, let's read just a little bit of 8, and then we'll be done. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. So let's add these things up. See, a lot of, a lot of math in the, in the Bible. You've got to rightly divide, and then you've got to add things up. A lot of, a lot of cool uh, addition, numbers. You didn't have to get an A in math class. Don't be worried. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. See, this is a different place. What we saw on the earth, the tabernacle and and all that, that was what man built. But we're talking about a different place. This is a very special sanctuary. This is a very special true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer for if he were on earth, he should not be a priest seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. Notice the example, the type, the picture, the shadow of heavenly things. God gave us a really good picture of something that's really in heaven. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, 
by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. So that's 6 and 7. In chapter 8, verse 6, it's all for us. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. When, now listen to this closely. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now that's significant right there. The house of Israel and the house of Judah. This is Hebrews. This, this is really speaking to the Hebrew people, but guess what? Over in Revelation, it talks about those who say they're Jews and really are not. Was that uh, Revelation chapter 2? Those who say they're Jews and are not. We, we, as Christians, we fall back into Jewish ways. We try to keep the law to be good enough to be saved. We try to keep the feast days holidays, we try to do all those things and we're falling back into something that has been disannulled. And that is a very bad thing to do to Jesus. After what all he has done and what he has accomplished, and he's better than all those things, and we are looked to him alone. So Hebrews is for us because we try to be Jewish. And we've got to be very careful about that. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. See, they, that was one of the covenants that Israel never would keep. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Now that is talking about the house of Israel and the house of Judah. He's not finished with them. 11. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Is that true right now? People say oh, everything in the Bible has been fulfilled. Is this true right now? So I need to shut up and not talk to anybody about Jesus anymore? Everybody already knows. Nope. Very obvious that not everybody knows. We, we, this country is falling apart because we have pushed Jesus out of everything in our secular life. Out of schools, out of any kind of special events, we pushed him out. And guess what? When a nation, go back and read the Old Testament and look at all the times where Israel pushed God out, what happened? They created a void that evil spirits were very happy to come in and fill. What we're seeing right now in this country blows my mind. It really shouldn't, but it does. How that, what, 20 years ago, we would have been throwing people in jail in a second 
for what they're allowing to happen to our little kids. It is sickening, and it's becoming normal. Twelve, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities, well, and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now that's available to us now. To the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel. It's a future thing. Individually, Jewish people can believe. Right now, just like we can. But for the nation of Israel, in that he saith, a new covenant he hath made the first old, now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. There's two things going on at the same time right now. I've tried to explain it in you know, sermons from the past, but there's two things going on right now. There's two kingdoms at work. There's the kingdom of heaven that got taken by violence and force. And the nation of Israel was part of it, but then the Gentile nation of Rome participated, and they both together killed Jesus, the king of the kingdom of heaven. They took it by force. That kingdom is in waiting for Jesus to come back and to set up his throne, or to sit on the throne that's already there for him, but there's another kingdom that has been going along all that time as well, and that's the kingdom of God. And that kingdom cannot be taken by force, and it's available to anybody at any time because of what Jesus did. And we can all get into that kingdom and be safe in that kingdom forever. Guess what? We finished chapter 8 too. Isn't that awesome? There's only 13 verses in 8. All right, real quick, before we pray, let's talk about, uh, I'm just going to give you the, the rest of the betters, just so you'll have it for your notes. Because I know everybody's out there just taking notes like crazy. So we have the seventh one was better promises. And then in, when we get to chapter 9, you're going to see better sacrifices. And then chapter 10, a better and an enduring substance. So a better substance. And not, not just a better substance, but a better and an enduring substance. And then in 11, the, the beautiful faith chapter, uh, we're going we're gonna to see a better country. They're seeking a better country. And then also in 11, see, chapter 11, that hall of faith chapter, there's three times that better is used. Uh, in 1135, it talks about a better resurrection. And then in 1140, it says some better thing for us. And when we get there next year, when we finally get to chapter 11, uh, we're going to see that that better thing for us is something that we're, we're looking for in the future when we're, we're with Him in heaven. And then, uh, that's the 12th thing, and then the 13th time that better is used, I'm going to read the whole verse. This is 1224. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things. That's the second time better things, but it's not. It's, in six, it was we, we 
expect better things of you. But here, the better things is talking about the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Remember when Abel was killed and his blood went into the ground? God came, to, it went, came down and he talked to Cain. It's like, where's your brother? And God told Cain, the innocent blood of your brother Abel is speaking to me from the ground, wanting vengeance. Now the blood of Jesus was fallen to the ground as well. And that blood speaks better things. Blood. We're almost done. Blood. What book of the New Testament has more references to blood than any other? 22 times the word blood is in Hebrews. 12 times in chapter 9 alone. The next closest would be Revelation. I think it's 19 times in Revelation. The Old Testament, which book in the Old Testament has the reference to blood more than any other? Leviticus. Probably, that's a lot of blood in Leviticus. There's also a lot of blood in Ezekiel, which I'll let y'all count those up in your free time. Let's pray. Let's not forget about the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood, without the blood, there is no remission of sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for this time that we can come together and to hear your word. Father, that we can just eat your word, eat it up, that it is, is inside of us. We devour it. And Father, what goes in to the body will make us who we are. Father, we love your word. Father, we love the, the, all the, the things that you've done for us. We're just so thankful. And Father, I pray that those who are here today and those who are listening, those who will listen um, on the CD and the podcast, that they will be touched by your word, that the Holy Spirit will convict the soul, and that we would be able to depend on your way of salvation. That we would, just through faith, just having the faith in what you have done, what you have accomplished for us, that we will believe on that and that you will save our souls. Thank you, Lord, for that way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.